Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We're continuing a series that's called Follow Me, and I want to ask if you would to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 10. So we've looked at a variety of different scripture over the last um, several weeks. This is, uh, as Pastor Brooks said a little earlier, this is our third week, and so we're going to continue moving forward in what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, That's a great question that uh, we're going to dive into this morning in Matthew chapter 10. But I want to start with um, two things that are important for us to understand and for us to actually realize as we move into this portion of our series. The thing that we ended with, um, or where we came at last week, uh, was how do you follow Jesus? You remember last week we said the way that you do that is simply one step at a time. It's not uh, fast forward real fast, and we get to, um, we become these uh, spiritual giants. That's not the way that God expects us to follow Him. God simply expects us to follow Him one step at a time. That's it. And what a great joy for us to know that we don't have to start out by running, but it's just simply one step at a time. But in wrestling with this, following Jesus one step at a time, we have to answer and ask, the, or ask and answer the question, if you follow Jesus, where does it lead? So we know that God has given the command to follow Him. We know that God, when He was here on the earth, He laid out what that looked like then. But the question for us is, if Jesus said, follow me, and He did, that command was for the disciples, and it is for us even right here in this moment in 2024. If Jesus' call to us is follow me, then we have to know where it leads. How many of you would ever, if somebody just came down the road and they said, hey, hey, get in the car and go with me, you would just jump in the car blindly, right? you just say, okay, we're going. Looks like we're going to have a good time in the car or whatever, you know? Wherever you go, I'm actually going to go. I'll just get in the car. I don't know you. I don't know where we're going. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm just going to blindly go with you. You know, one of the beautiful things about following Jesus in his invitation to this relationship that he says, follow me, he's actually mapped out the course for us and what that end result for us actually is. He's actually given us clues that we're going to look at today of what that end game is, what that final destination is. And I want to tell you, there's some very, very bad teaching, uh, mixed up teaching of what some people think that end result is. Some people think that it is actually problem-free living or pain-free living right here on this earth. And oh my goodness, I'm following Jesus and I have not experienced that. I don't think there's very many followers of Jesus that would say, oh yeah, 
When I started following Jesus, my life became problem-free. I've never had any issues. There's never been anybody mad at me. There's never been any problems in my life. It's all been sunshine and roses from that moment I started following Jesus. Oh, and there's never been any pain. No one's ever hurt me. I've never had a broken heart. I've never had any frustrations. I've never had an argument. I've never had any problems in my life since I started following Jesus. Listen, if anybody is preaching that gospel to you, they are are a liar and a false prophet. That is not what it means to follow Jesus. That is not the end result of following Jesus. It is also not to make you a better person. Some people think, man, when I start following Jesus, I'm going to get all my ducks in a row. Whenever I start following Jesus, I'm going to become this nicer person. I'm going to become this more generous person, or I'm going to be this more forgiving person. Some of those things may come about in your life, but that is not the end result. If you remember what Jesus said, he did not come so that you can keep the life that you've been living. He came so that you can crucify that life and you can be raised to walk in the newness of life that only comes in Him. Some people will teach that the end result of following Jesus is all about heaven. And sometimes the enemy blinds our eyes and we right here in living through the earth think, man, I cannot wait until I get to heaven. And I will tell you, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm excited about getting to heaven. But the end result of following Jesus is not about heaven. That is where we're going to spend eternity if we are his sons and his daughters and he is our father. He is our savior and he is our Lord. And I'm so thankful that Jesus gave us the promise that he's going to prepare a place for us. But the end result is not only about heaven. Where are we going? We, we need to know the answer to this. What is the end result of what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus begins to, I think, unpack this for the disciples. So if you remember, Jesus has actually launched his earthly ministry. Uh, it started with his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. God said, this is my son, audibly, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus came out of the water. He began to launch his earthly ministry. We've read about Jesus calling his first disciples. He extended them that opportunity of relationship where he said, follow me. And what we begin to see is Jesus, because of his very nature, performed several miracles and then just before we're going to read here in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus preached what is the most famous sermon of all sermons. We would call the Sermon on the Mount. And he laid out a lot of life issues and things that he wanted to see in his followers' lives. And then we get to Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to start reading at verse 16. So if you'll look at that. We get to Matthew chapter 10, and here Jesus is getting ready to send out those twelve. You see, the end result of following Jesus is not just hanging out with Jesus all the time. It would be great if we could each take some rooms around here and we could all live together. But a part of what Jesus did when he said, follow me, is we come in alignment with Jesus, following him one step at a time. But then a part of that is us actually going out. We have to live our lives. One of the things that we have to do in order to eat is you have to work so that you can make money so that you can actually live. 
We have to have housing. We have to have fun. We have to have these types of things in our life just because of the nature of life in and of itself. And here Jesus is going to get really practical with the 12 that he's about to send out. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Follow along with me if you would. These are Jesus' words. He said, I am sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Oh, what great encouragement. I'm sure that sentence actually brought to his disciples, right? Like they signed up to be with God, right? God in the flesh. They had some understanding about who Jesus was. And when Jesus came along and he passed each of them, had a conversation with them, and he said, hey, follow me, they thought, what could ever, I'm sure they would have had to have thought this, because any of us in our flesh would have actually thought this. What could possibly go wrong with following Jesus, right? I mean, we're going to spend life on earth with God Almighty. And whenever God comes and he says, follow me, then we're going to be under his protection and under his care. But then we get to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus had done miracles. They saw it with their own eyes. Well, they experienced it in the invitation to follow him. And then he had done so many miracles. He preached this amazing sermon. And in verse 16, he says, oh, by the way, I'm sending you out and you're going to be as sheep in the wolves. Now, right here, we know that wolves want to eat sheep, right? And Jesus is saying, I want you to know that when you get ready to go out, because you're following me, there's going to be a lot of problems in your life. It's not going to be sunshine and roses. It's not going to be this pain-free and problem-free life. But instead, you're going to have a target on your back because you're following. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 16, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry. And I want to talk about verse 19 for just a second. So they've gotten over the sheep and wolves part, right? You're going to have a target on your back. They're going to come at you because you're actually with me, Jesus is saying. The wolves will want to devour you because you're following Jesus. And then we get to verse 19, and what does Jesus say? They're going to arrest you. You're going to be arrested. Now, who in their right mind would start out on a journey with a guy following him and then think, we're going to be the sheep with the wolves? We're going to be the people that are actually arrested. You know, they're walking around with God in the flesh. And now here God, Jesus, is actually saying to them, there's going to be some big problems because you have responded to this invitation to follow me. But in verse 19, Jesus not only says you're going to be arrested, but then immediately after that, did you catch what Jesus said? Do not worry. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you that's speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. Wow, how encouraging is Jesus in this moment, right? You know, they're following him. 
and everybody's going to hate you, is what Jesus is saying. There were thousands and thousands of people following Jesus at this point already. And Jesus says, hang on, they don't hate you yet, but before long, they're going to hate you. Verse 23, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If, he, if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Verse 26, so don't be afraid of them. Here again, Jesus is reassuring the disciples that he's getting ready to send out. Don't be afraid. This is the second time that he's done that. Don't worry. Now don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak it in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the words. Verse 28, listen again, third time, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. Verse 30, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And 31, fourth time, so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You see what Jesus has done here with his disciples who've only been following him for a very short time. He says, yep, there's going to be miracles. You're going to see people who've never walked get up and walk. You're going to see people that have leprosy be healed and actually cleansed from that. You're going to see the dead come back to life. You are going to be souls that are bound by sin, set free, and the chains of this world fall off so that they can be freed there's going to be amazing things that are happening to you. But don't worry and do not be afraid. Jesus says, because I even know the number of hairs on your head. And if I am caring for the sparrows, then how much more will I care from you? This is the assurance that we have in following Jesus. Bad things are undoubtedly going to happen. It will happen to all of us. But don't be afraid when they do is what Jesus is saying. Bad things are going to happen whether you follow Jesus or whether you don't follow Jesus. But when you're following Jesus, the assurance for us is that God has it all worked out. And if God has it all worked out, that means that we don't have to work it out. And so whenever issues arise in our life, whenever things come up in our life, whenever there are problems and we are persecuted, and they do, and people do hate us, or they do treat us like sheep and they are the wolves. The assurance in following Jesus is that we have to be people of faith instead of people of fear. And this is what I believe the end result of following Jesus is all about. Will he take care of the problems? Yep, he's going to take care of the problems. Will he take care of the pain in our life? Yep, he's going to take care of the pain. Will he take care of the persecutions? Yep, he's going to take care of the persecutions. Has he gone to prepare a place for us so that we will be able to spend eternity in heaven with him? Absolutely. But in the here, in the now, responding to the call to follow Jesus is a faith over fear lifestyle. 
And one of the greatest tools of the enemy is the tool of fear. So if you remember last week, I was sharing with you about Lucy and Abby whenever they first started walking. And it's the same for every single child. They'll crawl, or they'll, they'll, they'll scoot around, and then they'll crawl, and then they'll stand up, and then they'll walk, and then they'll um, start to let go, and then they'll take some steps. And so it's this natural progression that everybody actually makes. Uh, it's, it's true for every kid who ever walks, who then runs, who then does anything in life. It's that same natural progression. But whenever, uh, I couldn't remember who it was, um, but uh, it was Lucy, uh, as I asked Melissa, and we were, we were talking about this. Lucy, whenever she first started walking, she would stand up and let go of something. She would take a couple of steps, but she would realize that she was walking, and then immediately she would sit down. And we, we would get her back up, and we would stand her up, and we would, you know, get her to walking. And she would walk, and she wouldn't realize that she was walking. She was doing a good job. But then something would cause her to realize, hey, I'm walking. This is not what I've been doing my entire life. She would step back down. There was something in her in that moment that was like, hey, this is not natural. I haven't done this in my entire life, and now all of a sudden I'm up, and I'm walking, and I'm moving around, and I'm not holding on to anything, and she would sit back down. There was maybe a fear that was in her or something that she's like, hey, I've got to sit back down so that I can get back into things that I actually know. And you know, whenever you respond to Jesus' invitation to follow him, that's something the enemy plants in your mind. He's like, hey, following Jesus is not what I've been doing all of my life. And now all of a sudden I'm following Jesus, I've let go, and I'm actually starting to walk spiritually, but wait a minute, this is a little bit scary. This is not what I'm used to. This is not how I've been living my life. And what some of us do is respond to that fear instead of letting our faith lead us, and we sit back down spiritually. We say, hey, I can't do this. This isn't who I am. This isn't what I'm used to. And so there's this fear that's inside of me that I'm actually going to let lead me. I'm not going to be a person of faith. I'm going to sit back down because that's what I feel that I need to do in this. You see, that is allowing the fear to cripple or paralyze you that the enemy wants to bring into your life. And that's what could have happened here to the disciples in Matthew chapter 10. They were getting ready to be sent out, and think of all that they actually went through. Every single one of them, except one, were murdered because of their faith. Every one of them. But Jesus is preparing them for the journey. So we just have to be real this morning, and we have to understand that whenever you respond to the call to follow Jesus, there will be problems. But in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. Whether you follow him or you don't follow him, you're going to have trouble. But Jesus said, if you are responding to that call to follow him, That if you are on that journey with him, you will experience peace because Jesus has overcome the world. That's why we can sing this morning, I still have joy in chaos. What an amazing line in a song. Because when the world is chaotic and it seems as if it has spun off of its axis, God is still in control. 
God has overcome the world, and he has extended to us his peace, not our peace, not a made-up peace, but his peace in the middle of all of our chaos. The promise that we have in following Jesus is that Jesus is always greater than any problem. There's an old song that I remember whenever I was growing up. It says, he's bigger than all my problems. Here's some of the lyrics, the chorus actually. It says, bigger than all my problems, he's bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. You see, what the enemy wants to do is cause our problems, the mountains, the questions, the fears of our life to actually immobilize us or to blind us. The enemy always works through fear. But the only thing that can overcome fear is your faith. And that's responding to that invitation to simply follow Jesus. We have to be a people that have faith over fear. So whenever we believe that the way you follow Jesus is one step at a time, what we have to remind ourselves in those moments is he has asked us to take one step. I don't worry about the next step. I don't worry about the direction. I don't worry about the problems. I don't even worry where I'm at right now because I know that I've been obedient to God and I am exactly where he has me. This last week, uh, Daryl shared with us in, in our group of what it was like to grow up in Michigan. This will be totally foreign for those of you that have only ever lived in Florida. But Daryl was talking about uh, being with his parents um, when it would snow, and they would have, you know, a foot of snow or a foot or two of snow. There was a large snow. And him as a young boy following his dad, and one of the things his dad would do is his dad would take small steps in the snow to crunch the snow down, to forge a path for Daryl and his family to follow along behind that path. And Daryl said, I didn't worry about, you know, the path to the door, wherever they were going, because he knew that his dad was in front of him, and he was taking steps, crunching down the snow, and all Daryl had to do was walk in those footprints of his father right in front of him, and his father had prepared the path. He wasn't worried about the problems. He wasn't worried about any issues, because he had the confident assurance that he was following in the steps of his father. And as long as he stayed in the steps of his father, he was going to have great peace because his dad had prepared the way. What a great illustration for us is God's sons and daughters. Yeah, we may get off the path and we may get out into a foot or two of snow, but one of the things that God does whenever we respond with faith instead of fear, he picks us back up and he puts us on the path. He goes before us and has crunched down, squashed down the snow, clearing the path for us that we simply put our foot in, not fearful, but with faith and confidence marching forward. A growing faith in Jesus is so big that fear will no longer drive us. We're just walking in faith. 
We're not bound by fear. We're not crippled by fear. We're not immobilized where we're at. We're just doing one step at a time because we know that our Father has placed His foot there and we're simply following Him. I don't like the footprints in the sand poem. It's great. I think it's wrong. I didn't write it. No one asked me, and whoever did, it may be an anonymous. I don't know who wrote that. Maybe one of those anonymous because nobody wanted to put their name on it. I don't know. I'm just telling you. But one of the problems with that is it talks about whenever God is by the side. You see, God didn't say to his disciples and to us, walk by my side. He said, follow me. Follow me. That means stay behind him. Because whenever he's out in front of us, he has prepared the way and we're going in the path that he's actually prepared. Whenever we are behind him, the enemy can't come at us straight ahead. God has protected us. Our call is to follow him. Not walk beside Jesus. Not stay in front of Jesus but simply stay behind him because he has prepared the way. And whenever we get beside or whenever we get ahead, I believe that that's when the enemy begins to bring fear into our life. Or maybe it's the problems that are all around us or the issues or circumstances or people that cause us to react in fear. Our call is to respond to Jesus' invitation of following him, to walk behind him, and to stay right there behind him. In Matthew chapter 6, so if we were to go a little bit forward, uh, and take a, or I'm sorry, a little bit backward, and to take a look at what Jesus said just a few chapters before what we read in Matthew chapter, chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, 31, and 32, this is what Jesus said. Oh, you of little faith... Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What Jesus is saying here is, I've got all of this taken care of. I've got what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. I've got all of that taken care of. All you have to do is simply follow me. And if you remember, when we started this series, one of the things that we said was whenever we stay behind Jesus, we're never going to be where we should not be. Because as we follow him, it stays on the path that he has actually prepared for us. What Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 6, where you worry about all of these things, one of the things the enemy does is he gets us to focus on stuff instead of focusing on our Savior. And whenever we focus on stuff, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, uh, what we're going to drink, where we're going to stay, what is our job going to do, what's going to happen in this economy, who's going to be uh, um, our leaders, uh, who's going to be my neighbor, who's going to be... Whenever we get focusing on all of those things, we're not following Jesus. Instead, we're stepping into situations and trying to resolve all of those things for ourselves. And that's what causes fear in our life. And that's when we react out of fear instead of following in faith. Imagine, though, not worrying about tomorrow because you really and truly believed that God was in control. Imagine what it would be like knowing that God was already in your tomorrow 
And in your tomorrow, he has the exact amount of grace that you need for that day. Imagine living your life this way. This is what Jesus is asking in Matthew chapter 6 and in Matthew chapter 10 that we actually read. When Jesus says, don't worry, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Listen, this is a faith that actually honors God because we're following him and we're acting out of faith instead of acting out of fear. You know, one of the greatest things that I remind myself all the time with is God not only knows what's going on in my life, he truly cares about it. Think about that. Whatever you have going on in your life, God knows it, but he not only knows it, he cares about it. And if he cares about it, then he has a path, if you'll focus on him, to lead you through it. What a great sense of peace that we can have in those moments. And knowing that God, God knows and he cares. That's why he can say, don't be afraid when you get arrested. That's why he can say, don't uh, worry whenever you are a sheep and there's a bunch of wolves all around you. That's why he can say, don't worry whenever you have nothing to say because the Holy Spirit will begin to speak through you. That's why he can go through those verses that we read in Matthew chapter 10, and time and time again, he can say, don't worry, don't be afraid. Don't worry, don't be afraid. Because he not only knows what's going on in your life, he cares about that situation as well. And he has promised that he will carry you through it. So the question that we have to wrestle with is what's going on in your life? What's going on in your life that when you put your head on the pillow at night and the noise of the day has stopped and it's just you and God and those things begin playing back in your mind like a movie? What's going, in your, going on in your life that when you wake up in the middle of the night, it's tough to go back to sleep because that stuff just keeps coming to the forefront of your mind? What's going on in your life? And then are you reacting out of faith? Are you reacting out of fear? The beautiful thing about following Jesus is God wants it to be a journey full of faith, not a journey full of fear. And we have to be the ones to actually make that switch to stop reacting out of faith or stop reacting out of fear and begin following in faith. Following Jesus in faith simply means that you are confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is leading you. But whenever we react out of fear, then we begin to allow doubt to, sleep, uh, to seep into our mind. And then as doubt gets into the equation of life, if you will, the enemy begins to water that seed. And then it begins to grow. And then before long, that doubt becomes fear. And then we're no longer following. We're out doing our own thing. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm with you. I care about what's going on in your life. I know what's going on in your life. 
Would you get out of the doubt and the fear? And then would you come over here and would you actually just simply follow me? I want to go back to a passage of Scripture, or one verse that we actually read last week in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. As I was reading through that last week and then even in, in this week and just trying to ask the Lord to speak to me through that passage of Scripture, I kept coming back to Luke chapter 5, verse 8. So if you remember, what we actually talked about was the details that's not in the other Gospels of how Jesus called um, Simon Peter and Andrew. And we saw in that that Jesus had asked them to take baby step after baby step after baby step, one step at a time. That's how you follow Jesus. And Jesus was modeling this with his first disciples. So at first, as Jesus began the conversation, uh, Jesus said, hey, could you uh, let me get in your boat and then take me out just a little bit so I could talk to the crowd. And then after they got out in the boat, Jesus had then asked them to, to let down their nets. They were done for the day. They were getting ready to go home. And so they had taken step after step after step after step. But what we see in Luke chapter 5 verse 8 is immediately after Peter and Andrew had let down their nets and they brought up the nets. There were the sons of Zebedee that were there as well. They had brought up their nets and there were so many fish that filled their boats that the boats were overweighted and they had begun to sink. You see, they had experienced this miracle firsthand of what it was like whenever they were responding to Jesus. And this is Peter's response. Luke 5 verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, Peter had had this interaction with Jesus and had responded to Jesus at three steps at this point. He had said yes to Jesus and taken a step in his faith. He had said yes to Jesus, taken another step in his faith. Said yes to Jesus and taken another step. But this third step was an amazing miracle from God. And Peter's response to that was not, man, Jesus, you are amazing. Look at what you have done. We've got so many fish we'll be able to take back to our family. They're going to make so much money on this. And think of all the things that we're going to be able to do. Yay, yay, Jesus, you just performed a miracle. That wasn't Peter's response. Peter responded out of fear in that moment. And that fear produced shame in him. Go away from me, Lord. I am such a sinful man. Here's the truth of following Jesus that you have to understand and why it's important that you respond out of faith instead of fear. Whenever you begin to follow Jesus, what you will discover is Jesus is leading you further and further and further away from your sin. It happens every single time. And here, Peter has this realization that Jesus is actually God in the flesh. And if Jesus is holy and I have had sin in my life, then Peter says, whoa, 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 I'm not following any longer. Instead, there's some fear and shame inside of me, and I've got sin inside of me. So go away from me, Lord. Get lost and leave me alone in my fear and my shame and let me wallow in my sin. Listen, the enemy is going to bait every single one of us with that very same thing. And whenever we have a miraculous encounter with God that is simply Him washing away our sin, 
And whenever we're confronted with that sin, the enemy wants to push us into fear and push us into shame and cause us to run away from God and say, God, I can't follow you because I've got this sin issue in my life. God, I can't follow you because I've got this. When the reality is, Jesus said, just take one step and then just take one more step and then one more step because he has gone before us and he has squashed down life itself and prepared the way for us. The enemy wants you to run away from God and he will bring up stuff from your past so that you react in the way that Peter did. Go away from me, Lord. I am such a sinful man. But listen, that is responding to the invitation of Jesus of following him in fear and in shame instead of in faith. Listen, we don't get to define what it means to follow Jesus. We instead surrender and walk forward in obedience, crushing the fear and crushing the shame and allowing God to craft us into whatever it is that he desires, whoever it is that he desires for us to be. We just simply take the step. But the question is, are you going to respond in faith or are you going to respond in shame? Are you going to say, God, I've got all of this stuff in my life. I can't follow you. I can't possibly go after you. Jesus would say, stop with the lie, listening to the lies from the enemy, and simply take the next step. He's not asking you to be the next Billy Graham. He's asking you to simply be who you are in this moment, taking the next step in following him. God wants to be in this relationship with you. And that is what it means to follow him. Just being in relationship with him, walking in faith, taking the next step. But the enemy wants to stop you. And he will always stop you in fear every single time. And he uses that fear to stir up shame inside of us. Peter was scared about the judgment that he was about to go through. Peter was scared what was going to be revealed or what was actually going to come out. But Jesus showed him otherwise. Listen, don't be scared. Don't be scared of the enemy's work in your life. Instead, don't be afraid. Do not worry, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, because we are following the one who came to crush and cancel out that sin. And that's why we respond in faith instead of, run, instead of responding in fear. Shame and fear cause us to run away from Jesus. Faith causes us simply to take the next step and follow after Jesus. Listen, fears are real, though. Shame is real, though. We can't ignore it. And we can't say, oh, it's just simply gone away. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with the shame, and we have to deal with the fear that's in our life because it's, it's real, and it doesn't just go away on its own. The enemy keeps bringing it back, and it keeps bringing it back, but you know how you, you respond to fear and shame that's in your life? You take the next step. You spend time with Jesus, and then you take the next step. You simply, Peter didn't get out of the conversation with Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. Because there's a Luke chapter 5, verse 9, and Peter's stuck in the conversation. And Peter said, yes, I'm going to follow you. Cancel my shame and cancel my fear. I'm going to follow you in faith. We cannot ignore the shame. We cannot ignore the fear. Instead, we overcome those two things with our faith of following Jesus. Jesus is basically saying to us, follow me and your faith is going to get bigger. Follow me, 
and your fears are going to grow smaller. Follow me and the shame will disappear because he took that on the cross for every single one of us. And then, in the moments that life seems as if it is spinning out of control and everything is spiraling and nothing can stop it, Jesus is there. He cares and he sees it and he says, do not fear, follow me. That's why we have the gift of Matthew chapter 10. That's why we have the gift of Jesus' words in John chapter 16, verse 33. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus' invitation to you is to follow him. Follow him. That's all. But what fears do you have in your life? What shame do you have in your life that is causing questions or causing concern in your life? I said it earlier, and I want to remind you, Jesus is here with us this morning. He's here with us through his Holy Spirit. He was there in bodily form in Matthew chapter 10. But his Spirit would say to you this morning these words. Matthew 10 verse 19, don't worry. Verse 26, don't be afraid. Verse 28, don't be afraid. Verse 31, so don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. God is here this morning. And I believe that he has brought up some fears or some shame that's been operating in your life the enemy's been using that he wants to take that burden and put on himself this morning. He's here this morning through his spirit saying to you, follow me, follow me. Jesus is saying to you, follow me this morning. The only response to that is faith. It's not fear. It's not shame. It's nothing else. It's simply faith. So what's the end result in following Jesus? It's not a problem-free life. It's not a pain-free life. It's not even about heaven. That's coming. And oh, what joy that will be. The end result of following Jesus, that destination is faith over fear. And this morning, this morning Jesus wants to take you deeper in faith. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you continue to join us as we get into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.